I'm excited to talk about this. As I mentioned earlier, there's a, just a lot of fuzzy thinking going on about how we can get closer to God, or should we get closer to God, or, or why, and all that. So we're going to talk about that. Before I start, though, I like to talk a little bit about just who I am, because if you've not seen me before, it's like, again, when you come to a conference like this, who's that guy talking to me? What, why is he, you know, what's he up to? Uh, so I like to just share uh, maybe 60 seconds on who I am. I'm a pastor, uh, 31 years, been in the area. Um, I just have started at a new church, though, nine months ago, and it's uh, Venture Christian Church. Um, maybe some of you remember, know the name Chip Ingram. He was there for 10 years. We now have a new pastor, Tim Lundy, who's there. And Tim Lundy and I knew each other from up here, and that's part of why I ended up there. And so it's a long story and really, really cool uh, about how I got there. I'm also married. Uh, my wife and I met when we were two and three years old. So, you know, the whole we've known each other all our lives. Um, and uh, our families were friends. My dad was a pastor. Her dad was a pastor. Uh, my dad came to a church. Her dad was the interim pastor then and then went out from that church to the mission field. And, and we never grew up in the same cities, but we did know each other because her grandparents adopted us kids because they had all gone to the mission field. They adopted us as their grandkids. So we even have some of the same family traditions. So it's a, again, it's a fun story. I have four kids. I have a son, um, 34 with a wife and three children. I'm a grandparent. Yay! Um, and he lives in uh, about a mile and a half from us, which is amazing, in San Jose. Um, he's a civil engineer. I have a daughter who's in full-time ministry in uh, San Luis Obispo. Uh, those, two, those first two uh, kids of mine went to Cal Poly, so they're all about that. And she ended up marrying somebody from down there, and they're there, and she's in ministry. She does uh, music and youth. Then I have a daughter who, uh, First Baptist, they've changed the name. They got cool names now. They've changed the name to Renovate, but that's the church they're in in, in San Luis Obispo, if you know that area. I have a, another daughter who's actually up here, and the joke is that she didn't just take French, you know, how we all took languages in high school and college. Yeah, she didn't just take French. She became a French major. And what do you do with that? Well, she went over to France and has been teaching in France for the last couple of years in the French public school system. And guess what she's teaching? English. <laughs> it makes sense when you think about it for a minute, but it, you know, at first glance, it's pretty funny. Um, so she's been doing that. She just got back and now has uh, started as a full-time sub of a Valley Christian High School in uh, San Jose. Then I have a young son, 18 years old, just turned 18. Uh, he worked for Safeway as one of those uh, courtesy clerks, you know, they take stuff out to your car and they said, man, when are you going to turn 18 anyway? He says, why? He says, because we want to make you a manager. So he just got made manager. Um, well... It's not the best shift. It's, <laughs> they call it the night shift. It's 3 to 12. That's not too bad. I guess I would have called that swing. But anyway, um, so he's, he's home doing that this weekend. A little bit about our family. And, um, but I'm very excited about our, our subject uh, today. Let's go ahead and begin with prayer. Again, if you haven't got a handout, be sure to get a handout on the, on the chair so that you're not having to take too many notes. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. God, I thank you for every single person in this room right now. We are here, we're relaxed, we're in at Mount Hermon for heaven's sakes. It's a, just a great place to be. And Father, we've heard some things already last night and this morning, but God, we want to, this to be a time where you speak to us individually about our situation and our relationship with you. And how we can move it forward and move it forward and move it forward to the day we die and right on into eternity. God, be with us today. Help us to see you in a new way, in our relationship with you in a new way. We ask that you would do that, that everyone here would have something to take away from this time, for we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, you ready to go? You can see that from the first slide, 
that we're going to dive right into something that has to do with growing. It's all about growing our relationship with God. And like I said, there's this misnomer out there in society, Christian society, in the Christian world, that somehow some people are Christians, and then there's this extra option for a selective few of these people that are going to be fully devoted followers. And I would like us to see, I'm going to set you up for a few slides and then give you some practical steps how we can move forward in this. There's different kinds of Christians. And I've uh, noticed I put the I put it in quotes because there's um, you know we're not talking about theology here we're talking about people's perception of who they are and how they relate to God and notice some people are religious they are the people that um, you know it they do the thing they go to church every week or they belong they're a good Baptist or they're a good Catholic and they do the stuff. And some people, some people uh, you've heard this maybe before, some people spell religion D-O. It's about all the stuff you've got to do or not do, right? And a lot of denominations have their lists of the things that, you know, this is what I do or this is what I can't do. So we've all, yes, we all know that there's a lot of stuff to do when it comes to religion. That's the bells, the whistles, the trapping, the beads, the crosses, the church, the offerings, the just all the rituals that go along with that. Somebody's called relationship with God, which is actually what Jesus Christ came to bring, not just a religion. How many know Jesus Christ didn't come to start, he didn't just want to increase the number of religions worldwide? That's not why he came. He came to give us a relationship. And someone has said in the past, he said, that's, that's spelled D-O-N-E. Just write that down. The difference between religion and relationship. One is spelled do and one is spelled done. And why? Because you don't do something for a relationship with God. He did it for you. It's because of what Jesus Christ has done that we have a relationship with God. Secular. Some people think in terms of, you know, when they say Christian, they think God and country. How many have heard that before? No, I'm, a, I'm American, so I must be a Christian, right? Christian nation. And, you know, politicians used to uh, think, you know, being a Christian, you know, checking the box of Christian helped them get elected. How many know that's changing? <laughs> yeah, there's a little humor there, but yeah, you get, you'll get my sense of humor after, the, after a while. Um, intellectual Christians. These are the people that think there's going to be a pop quiz at the pearly gates. How many know there's not going to be a pop quiz? It's not going to be a Bible quiz. How much do you know? Do you know who Elisha's second cousin on his mother's side was? Just kidding. Um, that's, not, that's not knowing about God. There's a lot of intellectual people, professors and theologians even, that, that actually it's not about the relationship with God. It's about how much do you know about God. And then there's the emotional Christians. These are the ones that, you know, it's... It's great to get saved, but it's even better to get saved every week. Right? Because it feels so good. And there's whole churches that do this. And, and, and they, they make, they, I, I just feel close. And you know, when the choir sings and when the orchestra plays or when the band hits that chord, it just sends me in the stratosphere and I just love being a Christian. And that's, a lot of people go to churches that it's all about, in fact, I know churches with their stated goal was that you feel better when you walk out than when you went in. That's the stated goal. You get beat up everywhere else in society. You ought to feel better when you walk out of our church today. Uh, prosperity. Uh, there's, there's, as you know, again, there's whole groups of people that are, that are about I want to serve God, and I want to please God. And if I please God, and if I serve God, and if I tithe, and if I come to church regularly, and I'm in a Bible study, and I'm doing my thing, I can ask God for whatever I need, and it will be given to me. And how many know there's a thing called tithers' rights in these kind of churches? Because I'm tithing, God owes me my answer. A lot of prosperity uh, gospel people in, in that camp. God owes me. How many know God doesn't owe anybody anything? Yeah. Yeah, that's not, that's not, 
That's not Christianity. Now, in addition to that, we have this receptivity level that is different in all of us. We heard a little bit about it this morning. Wasn't that great? The stony heart? Yeah, so I'm going to talk about the stony heart in a little different way, but the same concept, and that is, how do we receive the Word of God? How do we accept what God wants to do in our lives? Do we embrace it or not? Can I suggest in Mark 4, when Jesus tells the parable of the soils, he is talking about different receptivity levels that each of us have, and and it may change with the day. It may change with the season of life we're in. And it goes through, and some of you heard this, right? So there's four, four types of ground that, uh, that Jesus was talking about in this parable. The first was a hard ground. And again, I'm not here for a show of hands, but there could be all t- four types of soil in this room. There's the first, the first kind of receptivity level of our hearts can be described as hard ground. And if you go back into the Word of God and study this, do you remember that Jesus said that ground is so hard? Think of a hard-packed road or a pathway or some, something that is almost like concrete. It's so hard, nothing can get in. And the birds, if you remember what Jesus said, the birds snatched the seed before it even has a chance to sink into the soil and germinate. Hard ground. Nothing gets in. The word is stolen. And the word, uh, the birds uh, stealing the, the word of God is depicted by Jesus later as the enemy of our souls, stealing that before it even gets a chance. Before we even get a chance to respond to God, it's gone. Whatever God has been speaking to us. The second one is rocky ground. Rocky ground is... We've all seen people like this, and maybe we've been this way at some point in our life. And that is, well, what's the problem with rocky ground? Don't overthink it. Rocks! (laughs) There's no dirt. Very little dirt. There's nothing to give it nutrition at all. So what happens? So it falls in the crevice between a couple of little rocks and, you, and some water hits it and it germinates and what is it good for? Two, three, four days? And then phew, it's done. And that's how, that's how some people respond to the gospel. It's just very quick. Flash in the pan. The third gr- uh, thing is thorny ground. And I can, can I just say they say uh, 86.7% of statistics are made up on the fly. So I'm going to say, you could look that up, that's really funny. Um, I want to say about 80% of just my observation, about, I, I would guess around, it's around, it's really high, it's like 80% of our churches are filled with people in the third category. And that's the people where, and she was talking about it today, Life is just so busy. Good distractions, bad distractions, things are going on, and the Bible, Jesus calls that, it's like thorns in your garden, and the thorn bushes rise up, and, and all of a sudden, things are, the life is getting choked out, squeezed out, and people just are tired. Just tired. Anybody tired today? Just tired. You just got, you were all exhausted. I mean, you just barely got up here on the God's mountain because you were just, there were so many things you had to do to figure out and to get in place before, before you got up here. Before you could sit down and really relax and listen to the Lord. The thorny ground. The word is just being choked all the time. How many know that, you know, remember the Boy Scouts? You know, build a campfire with like two little twigs. You know, like, yeah, I was never, yeah, okay. So they, so you build this little campfire, you know, it's like in a cup. I mean, it's so tiny. And then you keep adding the twigs, and pretty soon you got yourself a nice campfire. Yeah, you've all heard about that. Do you know there's a, a, re, a one way that you could kill that campfire is to take a semi full of wood, like fuel for the fire, and back up that semi and hit dump and dump it on that little cup of flame. Do you know what that would happen? It would go out. You say, really? I mean, I thought like fire liked wood. Yeah, but not when it's buried. 
Can I suggest that God, God knows that the enemy is working in our lives? He's walking around. He's walking around in our lives. And if he can't get us to fall morally and get us to sin against him, one of the things he does in this culture, in our time, in our season of life right now, is he just buries us. The enemy's strategy, and notice it's wood. Wood is good. Wood helps fires. But if you take a lot of good things in your life and back it up over your life and hit dump and the whole thing comes out, we can bury you alive. I have stories of friends that have been buried alive with lots of good things. Their relationship with God has gone south, not because they went off some moral edge, but because the enemy was able to bury them. Am I making sense to anybody? The last one is fertile ground. Of course, that's what Jesus was hoping for. <laughs> that's where the, the nutrients are there. The receptivity is there. The desire is there. The, the commitment is there. The fertile ground, that's where the, the Word is producing. If you remember that parable, uh, 30, 60, 100 fold. Talk about producing. It's amazing. Where are you? Where am I? Where are we in this? Today, where have we been this summer? Where are we in this year related to, the, to our growth inhibitors? I'm still setting you up. Am I okay? Keep going. I'm still setting you up. No answers yet. Now here's the problem. The problem, as you can see, is if you're in that first category, this, the enemy is stealing it. So there's actually, the idea is there's no interest have you ever woken up in the morning and go, you know, I, I, I just don't want to, I don't want to read my Bible, pray, go to church, you know, the old joke about, you've got to wake up, you've got to wake up, honey. Oh, I don't want to wake up. Oh, you've got to wake up, you've got to wake up, honey. Oh, and she's, she's trying to get her husband to wake up, and it, it's Sunday, I mean, it's like church, and I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. And finally she says, well, you have to, you're the pastor. <laughs> Some of us will get that later. Anyway, the idea is that there's no interest. Can we just, yeah, that's right. Sometimes there's just no interest. That's the enemy at work in our lives. That, that no interest thing didn't come from the Holy Spirit. Number two, fleeting interest. Remember we talked about the, the rocky ground? And we've seen people, I've even seen people in ministries, I've even hired people, I've even I've had people on my committees and teams working in churches, and they're good for three weeks, or three months, or three years, but then, but then it falls off, and it falls off fast, flash in the pan. And like I said, most of the church, I believe, if you look at churches across the board, uh, the idea is people are waning. The idea is that, you know, it's just hard to keep going. It's hard to, you know, I just don't, I, I used to, remember Jesus uh, talked in the book of the Revelation about losing your first love? It's that kind of thing. It's just, I'm just tired, and I just would rather not. And, you know, how many times have we done communion in my life? I'm at a church right now, interestingly enough, where we do communion every week. How many of you know that this is new for me? I've, been, I've just been there nine months, and I, I'm so excited. And I lead this, this congregation. It's actually what we call our classic service, older people. And I lead in communion every week. And every week I find a new, I ask God for a new insight or a way to approach communion. It's a little bit like pastors trying to do Christmas and Easter every year. You know, you've got to come up with a new angle. Uh, it's like, there are so many wonderful things. But how many know that it's easy to not view it that way? It's easy to sit out there and go, yeah, one more communion. And the interest is waning. We're just losing interest. How many know that the false, there's a false dichotomy? Do you love these pictures or what? I spent a little while looking for the right pictures. 
Everybody wants to be a Christian, yes? When you think of Christian, what do you think of? Don't you think of that top, that couple up on top? They know they're happy and they know it. Say amen. They are happy. They are sipping sodas waiting for the rapture. Life is good. When you think of the word disciple, isn't it sometimes that we end up thinking about this guy down here in the corner? That wild-eyed man from the backside of the desert, John the Baptist, out there with a locust and a honey and a scratchy clothes. How many know that when Jesus Christ saved us, he didn't save us for this side, the party side, and then all the work and all the suffering for those people over here that, that embrace discipleship? He said, no, they're actually the same thing. Those passages, and you can look them up later. What's that first passage? Anybody happen to know? It's called the Great Commission. What did Jesus say? He says, I'm go and make what? Disciples. Oh, I get it. That's us. Down through the histories, down through eras of time, it's disciples that Jesus always had in mind, not some second category of person. In Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, of course, a lot of people know the front end of that, that passage. It's by grace we've been saved through faith. It's a gift of God and thus anyone should boast, right? But it goes on to talk about, and we were created to be his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do those good things that God had preordained. The idea is we are not just being saved to be saved, we're being saved to follow. We're being saved to follow our Savior. So, we've talked about our perception of who Christians are, what kind of Christians we are. We've talked about soils of receptivity. We've talked about this false dichotomy. If that is speaking to any of us in this room at any point in our life, can I just can we just be honest? Can we just say, yeah, that's me. That's just me. On any given day, any given month, any given year, this is there's no condemnation in this room. Not at all. If you haven't felt some of these things, you're not you just you're probably not in touch with yourself and in life. Of course, there's times and places where we feel like one of those descriptors. Can I suggest there's no condemnation at the cross? The once for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ means that we can come. What does John, 1 John 1 9 say? Everybody know? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Anything. Now, I'm not talking about being a goody-goody with a silver spoon in your mouth. I'm talking about anything that's outside of our alignment with God. Everybody remember the word for sin. It's not a big Halloween word. It's not a big chain massacre word, those black evil kind of word. Sin simply means missing the mark. The idea is a target. And the bullseye is what God is, God's way, God's word, God's plan. And somehow I ended up on that issue, I ended up out in the weeds. I've got to come back and realign. Everybody say realign. That's that's coming back. That's confession. It's saying, yeah, you're right, that's wrong. I need to come back and realign. Being, We'll talk about this more tomorrow when we talk about spiritual intimacy between husbands and wives. We'll kind of get into it a little bit with us, husbands and wives and have a little fun with that. Because how many people know that mostly when we talk about realignment, we talk about people realigning, if we're honest, with us. If you were really spiritual, you'd be doing what I'm doing. You'd, you'd, you'd be like agreeing with me. You would be on this side. And we get this spiritual tug of war thing going back and forth. How many know that God is not trying to create a tug of war game between spouses? He's trying to, I could almost hear him, hey guys, I'm up here. He's wanting us to realign with him. Yes? Yeah. So we realign with him. So we confess our sins. And then I want to give you, over these next 20 minutes, I want to give you some really practical things. Some really practical things.
the first thing is, it's so, so simple we'll trip on it, and that is I've got to begin or recommit to pursuing God with all my heart. That's what uh, Deuteronomy 6.5, love the Lord with all your soul, all your heart, all your strength, all your mind. The idea is to give him complete control of every area of my life. What area of my life is not under his control? When I received Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord, I said, I'm going to scoot over into the passenger seat. You get to drive from now on because I'm tired of hitting parked cars. Get a life. I want you to be a part. You know, if I invite you over, if I invite you over to, to my house, I'm probably going to put you in the living room or the dining room. I'm going to put you in the nice part of the house. How many know that when we invite Jesus Christ into our life, he goes, hey, what's in the closet? We go, oh, you don't want to know. Like, that's where I keep my junk. He says, no, actually, that's where I want to start. And you've all heard this before. If he can't be Lord of all, he can't be Lord at all. These are things we know. Review for most. I want this to be really practical. Can I ask you to take a spiritual inventory of your home? And I don't mean the one in Morgan Hill or in Salinas or or San Jose and Sunnyvale. I mean, remember, we are the temple. What rooms in my home are off limits to Jesus? That little thing I love to do. That little place I love to go. That's the first thing that God is going to ask us. Do I have all of you? And please don't say, well, I received Christ when I was 13, and that ought to be good enough. No, this is not being a card-carrying Christian. This is about following Jesus Christ every day. What are you doing today to follow him? What's that area of my life today, which is, might have been different than 10 years ago, what's that area of my life today? Can we all do that? I mean, we're at Mount Hermon. We could like take like a minute and take a, or take a walk today or have a conversation today and say, yeah, so my life is fully dedicated to God, well, except maybe in this one little area. Does he have it all? If we're not giving all of it, we are not fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. We're a partially devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? It's not that hard. I just need a moment, a minute to think about, so God, do you have all of me? This is a great place at Mount Hermon with what we're going to be taught over these next two, two days and what we're going to be doing to, to really ask that question. That's the first thing. The second thing is we have to die to ourselves. You love that picture? Is that what you think about when you think about being a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ? Now, I'm not asking anybody to take a bullet. Us guys, we like, we even, some of us even like the concept of taking a bullet for somebody. I mean, that just sounds manly. Like, I'd take a bullet for my wife. Do you know that Jesus Christ asked us to do something much harder? How much pain is in taking a bullet? Somebody say nanosecond. Right? If I take a bullet, I'm, not, I'm done. I'm gone. I'm dead. I'm not feeling anything. God's asked me to do something much harder. Don't take a bullet or go through pain or sacrifice for a nanosecond. Do it for the next 80 years. Every single day of my life, laying it all down. God doesn't want to kill me. God wants me to live in a dying sort of way. Yes? I've got to die to myself. I've got to die to my flesh. 
Look at that, look at that verse there. God says, look, here's how it's going to work. If you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, he says, pick up your cross. He doesn't say die on a cross. He says, carry it. Live in a dying sort of way. Are most of us living in a dying sort of way? What area of my life do I need to die to in order to live for him? Where do I need to lay it all down? Where do I need to make the sacrifice? I'm married, I get it. My wife is one of those wives that doesn't want me just to blow smoke and tell her nice romantic things. She wants, she's a, a woman of action. She's a doer. Her love language is doing. So I can sit here and philosophize all day about the beauties, the, 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 the wonderful dimensions of love. But she actually wants me to take the garbage out. She, she actually wants me to do something to show love. I have to die to myself. How many know there's two lists in life? There's, the, there's my list and there's God's list of the things I'm going to do today. Anybody relate to this? What does your list look like for the things in your average day when you are at home and you're in the groove and you're going hard? What does your list look like? These are the things I need to accomplish today. Is that right? And then there's God's list over here, the things that God wants accomplished in my life and the life to those around me and the benefit to those lives. And, and God's got his list. How many know that there's only grace for one list? There's only plan and provision and strength for one of those lists. And guess which list it is? Three, three guesses and the first two don't count? God's list. Okay, you guys, this gets really... This gets really, this gets really good really quick. You and I are going to make 150,000 decisions about things we're going to do the rest of this day. Only the things on God's list gets God's attention, God's approval, God's empowerment. The rest of that is on us. Yeah. yeah. Could you almost imagine God going, yeah, uh, no wonder you're so busy. <laughs> it's like you've got this other whole list of things to do. And I, I've given you grace for this. Unless our list and God's list are the same, I promise you, we are not experienced the life of a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. We're living in two worlds. We've got our feet in two worlds. I'm living two lists. No wonder I'm so busy. No wonder I'm so crabby and cranky. No wonder our marriage is, oh my goodness. Why? I've got so much to do. i got my list. i got God's list. And God says, yeah, so how about my list? Could we check in with God and make sure that we're doing His list? I've not been in the military, but they tell me that you don't get to do whatever you want. You mostly have to check in with the commander, your commanding officer. And it's what he says we're going to do today that we do. It's the same thing with God. And the commission is to go, again, to go and make disciples. This means I lay down my whatever. In other words, it doesn't mean I can't be a banker, a lawyer, a politician, a sports nut. It doesn't mean I can't be anything. It just means whatever, whatever it is I'm embracing and how God's wired me up, I need to go make disciples in that. Why? Because that's on his list. Yes? Am I in the right church? God is calling us to go, oh my goodness, that's right. There's not two lists. Somebody in here is going to be blessed. You know why you're going to be blessed? Because you're going to decide up here at Mount Hermon this weekend, it's not going to be rocket science, you're going to decide to go to one list. And your life is going to start, you're going to start feeling more empowered. You're going to start to feel like God's with you and God's walking through your day. Why? Because it is what He wanted to accomplish. Whether you're a mom or a millionaire or a military or a whatever. Yes?
I want it to be practical. Everybody in this room has to walk out. You've, 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 just take, you've carved out time out of your busy schedule to be here today. I hope that everybody has some, something you can take away. Somebody's going to take away the idea that I just, you know what, I've been working off two lists for too long. I'm going to make one list. I'm going to know what God's up to. And then the third one is communicating with God constantly. How many know it's not just about going to church? <laughs> like, okay, I did my two hours this week. I'm good. It's not just about going to church. How many know it's not just having a 30-minute prayer time? Not, that's not a bad thing. But God is not, there's no place in the Bible that says, you know what, you guys need to do 30 minutes and then you're good. No, it's not like that. It's God wants to be in touch with us constantly, constantly, constantly. Do you have a way to spend time with God? Do you have a way to read His Word? I mean, we're talking some basics here to make sure that we are fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ and not just Christians. And we're going through life in such a way that God's enabling us, empowering us, working through us. He wants... He wants us to spend time with Him. Uh, true story. I promise I've been a Christian longer than 19 years. And you say, well, how do you, um, how do you know 19 years? Well, because it's easy. Because in 2000, somebody introduced an easy way for me to spend time with God. And I've been doing it for the last 19 years. And it is like the easiest thing. I coach couples all the time. And nobody goes through my coaching without being introduced to what I call life journaling. Oh. Life journaling. I don't get a penny for this, by the way, but I do have some up here that cost me about eight bucks. If something like this sounds like it might help you, just leave me eight bucks and, and take one of this and take one for your spouse. I mean, it's just, I talk to people all the time and they, I, call, I talk to people about spending time with God and I use the analogy of spiritual nutrition or physical nutrition to help us understand the need for spiritual nutrition. Everybody knows about food? Is it a big deal? Are you better than I am because of what you ate this morning? Somebody say no. No, not at all. But if you do have some energy, can I suggest, we, God doesn't like me better because I read my Bible today. I just need some spiritual energy to be the man or woman of God that God's called me to be for that day. Is that okay? And I just need an easy way. And I don't have time. I don't have two hours a day to do this. I'm like not in seminary. I just need an easy way. This is an easy way. Uh, this uh, life journaling was introduced to me by a guy named Wayne Cadero. Some of you may have heard his name. He's a big pastor over in Hawaii. Developed this. It's just an easy way. They use the formula of soap, scripture, observation, application, prayer. Anybody ever heard of that? You just write that. Here's what you do. Why do Christians pray? Well, they, mostly we pray because we think God answers prayer. We wouldn't do it. So we pray. We say, God, I'm going to open up the Word of God, and they give it a little, a little reading plan. I don't even call it a reading plan. I think of it as a restaurant menu. Food. Think food. You'll get weird on me if you don't think food. And when you go to the restaurant, do you eat everything on the menu? Somebody say no. No! We, <laughs> I have a sandwich, I have a, a hamburger, I, I, I have a steak, whatever. I, and they give me options on the, on the menu, the daily menu for Bible passages to read. You don't even have to read the whole thing. You just start reading. You say, God, as I'm reading, I'd like you to have something jump out at me. I'm trying to not be a lot of theolo theologically whatever. I'm just trying to keep it real simple here. And when God has something, for whatever reason, jumps out at you, wow, that's interesting. Ooh, that's encouraging. Oh, that's convicting. For whatever reason, it jumped out of you, you're done. You just simply write it down. That's the journal part, right? And you write it down using the acronym SOAP. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. This is the Bible verse that jumped out at me for whatever reason. This is what I feel like God's saying to me in this verse. This is some area of my life to apply it to today. And a little prayer. Hot tip on the prayer. If you've never prayed, like written out prayers, People go, ooh, that's scary. Hot tip, just put dear Lord and amen on your application. Scripture, observation, application. Just take your application, go, dear Lord and amen. You got your prayer. 
You're done. So if this, uh, if this sounds like something you'd be interested in, I've got a few of these here. I just am looking for a way to spend some time with God. I just want to, and then I want to do it throughout the day. How many know nobody has a white car until you do? You all go down, you go down, the, you go down the car lot, you buy your little white car, you come home on the freeway, hey, they got a white car too. <laughs> Look at all these white cars. Is that right? You start seeing. We just bought a, a new, uh, not a new, but a, a more recent uh, Honda Accord, and we start seeing and our color and everything. We start seeing them everywhere. Guess what? They were there before we bought that, but now that we bought that, we noticed. Can I suggest we're missing things in our lives if we don't have a, just an easy way to spend time with God during the day? We're just missing things. They're there. But you start engaging with God's Word and having a time of prayer, and you will that whatever God was showing you, you're going to start seeing it in relationships, and you're going to see it all over your life. It's going to be amazing. We are going to do life with God. How about that? Does that sound okay to everybody? Does everybody have something? If you have a killer way that you are just like loving, that you're spending time with God on a daily basis, don't change a thing. But for most of us, we need something. We just need some way to be with God. Number four, follow God everywhere. Got to love that picture. Life is hard. Can I suggest there's two questions that you need to add to your vocabulary? The first is, what's God up to? When life is hard, and particularly when life throws you a curve, a great question is, what's God up to? What's God up to? And the second one, especially you business people, corporate people, what's in it for God? What's in it for God that you're a Christian at your company or doing your thing or being a mom or being a grandma? Or what's in it for God that you're there? What's in it for Him? We always think in terms of what's in it for us. Cost-benefit analysis, yeah, do I really want to do that? No, it's not, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, it's a lot of work, but yeah. And we look at it from our perspective. What about God's perspective? If we as Christians aren't asking who, what's in it for God, who is? Nobody. What's in it for God that you're in your family, that you're in your marriage, that you're in your school, that you're in your church? What's in it for God that you're in your workplace? What's in it for God? And what's God up to? Yeah, God wants the company to make money, but, he, but can I suggest that you might have more, more in mind than just that? Like he could do more than one thing. What's in it for God that you're here? Um, I've shared this story before. I had a daughter, um, the daughter who's now working in full-time ministry in San Luis Obispo. Um, she was selected as one of the pool to be valedictorians of her class or at her junior college, and everything was set up, and she was going to transfer to Cal Poly, and everything was going to be good, and she was going to be a shoe-in because she was so smart. And somehow, because she had missed a certain class, her application went into the wrong pile. She got rejected. All of a sudden, she had a gap year. Like, really? But because she grew up in our family... She had heard us say so many times, what's God up to? And she asked that. And she started saying, God, what are you up to here? So she goes to work for B of A. Long story short, she works for a year, transfers down to San Luis Obispo, and, and becomes a teller down there. And they said, you know, there's this fund for people that work with B of A where they that you can access that they pay for your college tuition. You know that, right? They paid for her whole college. Came out debt-free. What's God up to? What's God up to? What's God up to? I experienced the same thing. Um, a couple of you have asked about me and my where I am this year. Because last year, at this time, I was unemployed. I reframed my unemployment as a, wait for it, 
sabbatical. Some of you will get that later. Anyway, I was unemployed. I said, you know what? I'm going to treat this like a sabbatical. It's the sabbatical I never got. I've been in ministry for 30 years. I never got one of those things that pastors and professors and people like that get to study and refresh and realign and all that. I never got one of those. So last summer, I was in a sabbatical. And right at the beginning of that, I sensed in my spirit an affinity towards a certain church that happened to be right near my home. And I started driving by, and every time I'd drive by, I would pray about that. I'd say, God, you can do whatever you want, but I would love to work here. Six months later to the day, I was employed there. What's God up to? I didn't, I, it, uh, that, the sense got, grew stronger and stronger to the point where I didn't start putting my resumes out everywhere. I just had this sense that God, and, and it wasn't simple. You know, the senior pastor leadership had to change. I mean, the person's job I took over, he, he was there at six months before, and, but we walked into the church in the summertime and found out that he, the, the, my predecessor, was going to resign that, you know, right then. And then six months later, the senior pastor resigns, and then six months, or not, not six months, weeks, Six weeks later, all these things happen in six weeks. Six weeks later, later, they announced the new senior pastor who I happen to know from up here. Tim Lundy. And he brought me on staff. What's God up to? What's God up to in your life? He's up to something. You better figure out what that is because that's what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Follow him what he's doing. And then keep your eyes on the prize. How many know what uh, that's a picture of? Most famous mountain in the world? Mount Everest. And these people are going up to the top of that thing. We've got to keep our eyes on the goal. What is the goal? We are to resist temptation. We are to let our light shine. We are to help others to know and pursue God. Why? Because God has an agenda for us. And God wants us to win. How many know that it's easy to get distracted? I can get distracted so quickly. And so can you. We can be doing well for five years and then the next five just derail. We can be be all focused in here right now and in 20 minutes our thoughts could be a million miles away. What is going on? God is saying, I want you to keep your eyes on the prize. I used to run uh, high school track. And uh, so, and I did really well my senior year, went undefeated in what they call the 330 intermediate hurdles. Anybody ever heard of those? Yeah, so they, it's all meters now, but it was yards back then. And my coach would, he would, you know, you would think a coach would appreciate a guy who's going undefeated, but not my coach. My coach was always pressing me for more. That's probably why he was a good coach. So he wasn't giving me, cutting me any slack. He was saying, Paul, 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 you're a great hurdler. You're a good hurdler, but you can be a great hurdler. You've got to get down lower on those hurdles. Like you should touch them every time you go across them. How many know you don't run hurdles? You attack hurdles. Are you with me? So I'm in this race. And I'm taking off. And I'm getting a lead. And I'm way out there. It's all about the steps. And I come across these hurdles. We're going into the corner. I am like a hurdle ahead, which is forever in that world. And I'm coming out of the corner. I'm a left-leg lead, so I, I had some advantages there. I come out of that corner, and crazy me, I could hear the coach in my head going, Paul, you should get down lower. You should get down lower. I thought, you know what? I've got a little bit of a lead here. Maybe I'll practice. I'll work on getting lower. I got lower. I clipped a hurdle, and it was set wrong, and it threw me down into the track. I came up black and blue, and I don't mean black and blue like bruises. I mean like I was wearing the color of the track. I skidded to a stop. And somebody yelled from the, from the grandstands, Get up! 
<laughs> I looked back. How many know that you're disqualified if you're out of your lane or if the hurdle is out of the lane? I looked back and amazingly, my hurdle is still in the lane. I, I'm still in the lane. I get up, I jump over the last hurdle and win the race. I've got to keep my eyes on the prize. Have you ever fallen in life? You ever had a hardship? You ever had somebody throw you down? You ever been beaten up? I can almost hear a guy going, Get up! Get up! You can still win this thing. Go for the prize. Is that making any sense to anybody? Somebody's going to walk out of here this morning going, you know what, I sense God just wants me to get up and keep going. Get up! Then we'll end, we'll end with this. The benefits are running up into the pearly gates at the end of our lives and hearing the well done, thou good and faithful servant. Can I tell you that that's the strangest greeting in the whole wide world? Who says that? Hi, my name is Paul. Well done. It's like, that's not how you greet somebody or embrace somebody for the first time. That only makes sense, folks, is it only makes sense if we have been given an assignment and we come through screaming through the pearly gates and God goes, yes! You did it! Well done! We have been given an assignment. We're not just Christians waiting for the rapture. We are fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ moving forward in our lives, constantly in touch with Him, growing in Him, being sacrificial. And when we get to the... That's the top of Everest, everybody. When you get to the top of Everest, it's well done, thou good and faithful servant. Isn't that cool? I'm going to pray for you, and then I'll give you a, a couple things about tomorrow. But let's just ask God to cement in the thing that he wants to give us from this time. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that there is a prize. There is a win. And it's going hard after you. That's what it means to be a disciple. And God, I thank you for again for everyone here in this room. I pray that every single one of us would have something to walk away with that's from you, from your Holy Spirit. God, so that we are going deeper and deeper and we're running longer and longer and we are being more intentional all the time in our relationship with you and that's what it means to be a fully devoted follower. Bless us, Father, as each of us takes something from today and say, yeah, I want to do that. I want to have, I want to have a consistent, quiet time with you. I want to have... I'm going to have a, a something. I'm going to, I'm going to stop doing both lists. Uh, God, would you give everyone something that they can do that moves them forward? We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.